0: Father, here we are, the ones you love. And we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Word, for Jesus' sake, for our sake, for your name's sake. pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's this guy, and he told the best fish story I've ever heard. But before we get to that story, I need to show you a picture of uh, a fish that I caught while we were away. That is not photoshopped. It's about a 40 pound black drum. It's a pretty big fish. But now I wanna get back to my story of this guy who had told the best fish story ever because his story was about a Goliath grouper. A Goliath grouper, the world record is around 700 pounds. <clears throat> Now, I go back to when I was 22 years old. I was in the Palau Islands. I was on a bamboo porch one late night with a bunch of old Palauan men. They were telling fish stories. And each one told a story that trumped the story before him. And finally, we got to the last guy who told the ultimate fish story. So he says, yeah, I was gun fishing. I was about 30 or 40 feet deep. And I saw this gigantic Goliath grouper. And I knew there's no way I could spear him. There's no way a rod and reel could get, catch him. So I thought, how can I catch this, you know, Goliath grouper? So he thought for a while and he said, I know what. He went back up to his boat and he got a big, long, thick rope, tied one end of it to his boat, tied the other end to his waist, and he dove back in went down to where the Goliath grouper was. He, had be, he, st- he stood behind a rock, first of all, hiding. And then he jumped out in front of the Goliath grouper, and he was swallowed. But well, that was part of his plan. After the Goliath grouper swallows him, he then says, Then I wait, and I time his breathing. And as soon as he opens his gills, I swim out of his gills. I swim up back to the boat, I tie the other end onto the boat, and then I turn on the motor and I drive him back to the island. I thought, that's the ultimate fish story I've ever heard. <clears throat> He's telling a story about a Goliath grouper. Now, the reason these uh, fish are called Goliath groupers is because they are so big. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the real Goliath, the Goliath from the Bible. In fact, I want to talk to you about how to kill a giant. By the way, do you know what Goliath's least favorite state capital is in America? Little Rock. (laughs) Well, I want us to consider how to kill a giant this morning. Now, before we actually get to the story of how to do that, I need to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about what happened when Israel came up out of Egypt, out of bondage and slavery, and were on the edge of entering into the promised land, the land of Canaan. If you remember the story, God told them to send out some spies and spy out the land that I have given to you. I've given it to you. All I want you to do is possess it. But I went ahead and sent out 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to spy out the land to come up with their strategy of how they would possess it. And when the 12 spies came back, there was good news and bad news. The good news was what they all agreed on is this land truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. It truly is a wonderful land, just like God said. That was the good news. Then they went on to say, but there was some bad news. The bad news is that there is giants in the land, and we cannot take it. So that was the response of 10 out of the 12 spies, a very fearful response that they couldn't go in and take this land. So what did God do? So God had them wander the wilderness for 40 years before they can enter the promised land. What was he doing? He was letting a unbelieving, fearful generation die off. That another generation might rise up that would not be fearful, that would trust in him and take the land. Well, I want to propose to you that once again, the people of God have reached the perimeter of the promised land. All the nations of the earth today belong to Jesus Christ and have been promised to him. But it's our responsibility, the church's responsibility to go and possess them for Christ. But most of the church has looked at this remaining task, this remaining challenge before us of sharing the gospel, of fulfilling the great commission to all the nations and they have noticed all of the giants All of the challenges, and much of the church has concluded we can't do it. We can't take it. There's too many giants, there's too many overwhelming challenges. And so, what has God done throughout history? God has let generation after generation die off who would not take the land, who would not go in and take on the giants for the sake of the gospel to every nation. And God is waiting for a generation that will rise up that will take and possess the land. The church's assignment of fulfilling the Great Commission is an assignment that we cannot fulfill if we're afraid of giants. If we back down from this challenge, what is the Lord going to do? If the Lord is just going to, he's going to wait to a generation that will rise up that won't be afraid. That's what he'll wait for. Now, what will it take for us to be able to take on the difficult challenges <clears throat> that we face, at least our part in this fulfillment of the Great Commission, our small part? What will it take? It will take some giant killing strategies that worked before and will work again. Now I want us to go to the passage where we're going to see what those strategies are and the actual story of David little David killing Goliath. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 17, and I'll have these verses also up on the screen for you because in this story are principles of how to fight spiritual warfare and win. So let's read the story. Let's start in 1 Samuel 17, verse 3. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was nine foot six. He stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel and said to them, why do, you, why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll become your servants. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul, listen to this, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, remember the Philistines are the enemies of Israel. There are two armies on two different mountaintops with a valley between them. Goliath comes down into the valley and makes a challenge. This challenge was to representative warfare, which was not uncommon in that day. You send out your champion, we'll send out our champion. Whoever wins, that side wins the dispute. But it says that Saul and Israel were dismayed and greatly afraid. What's interesting about these words, if you look them up in a concordance, dismayed and greatly afraid, when they're used together, sometimes it's dismayed and terrified, same Hebrew words. If you look it up and see where they are used in other places in the Old Testament, they are almost always used to tell the people of God how not to be. Let me show you. Deuteronomy 121. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up and take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua 8.1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, his land. You just need to possess it. <clears throat> First Chronicles twenty eight twenty. Then David said to his son Solomon, be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord our God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Let's just do one more. I could go on. 2 Chronicles 20, 15. Thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. So that really leads us to the first principle of giant killing. And that is number one, don't be afraid of external circumstances. Don't be afraid of external circumstances circumstances. And this, by the way, is where most spiritual warfare is lost. It's lost because of fear. The thing that God tells us to not do more than anything else, we tend to do more than anything else. And by the way, fear has gripped this country. Fear has gripped much of the Christians in this country. Fear to speak the truth in the midst of this insane cancel culture. Fear of not being politically correct. Fear of rejection. Fear of persecution. Fear of what others might think about us. And, of course, add to that fear of failure, which, by the way, keeps so many people from even stepping out in the first place to fulfill their ministry because they're afraid that they won't be able to do it. Next week, we do have the ministry fair. I think it's one of the most important Sundays of Grace Community Church. And there's going to be an opportunity after each service next Sunday to walk across the parking lot. There's going to be a festive environment. There's going to be food. But really what it is, it's a time to step out and say, where is my spot in this army? Because we're an army, not an audience. Where's my spot to serve? And some of you say, I already have my spot. Do I need to go? Yes, come on over. Help others find their spot. Do, not, spot. do not be afraid of failure. There is something you are good at. And you might think, well, I tried this. It didn't work. Okay, call that not a failure, an experiment. There's something you're good at, and we need you in the ranks to take your place. What the devil tries to do, and he's done it since the beginning, the first person of the persecution of the church in the book of Acts was all about getting people to be afraid. So what he does is he tries to set up circumstances to us that look so you know, insurmountable that we don't even try, that we don't even attempt to step out. Well, Goliath was an overwhelming circumstance. That's what he was. Who could beat him? But see, they weren't supposed to be looking at Goliath and his power and strength. They're supposed to be looking at God and his strength. By the way, it's interesting thing about fear is that it is contagious. It says Saul and all Israel were afraid. See, once leaders start shrinking back in fear, the people will too. Saul was not only the king of Israel at that time. In 1 Samuel 9, too, it says that he was head and shoulders above all Israel. He was the biggest guy in the nation. If anyone should have stepped up to Goliath, it should have been him. But he didn't. He shrunk back in fear and so did all of the people. By the way, it's so important that leaders, and I just want to challenge all of our elders and pastors and ministry leaders in our church to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid to step out and act, especially in these days, especially in the days to come. Now, you might be thinking, well, but, you know, Saul might have stepped out and got killed. And my response would be, yeah, maybe. But see, part of the price of victory in spiritual warfare is not being afraid of the loss of life, not being afraid to die. Y'all remember what it says in Revelation twelve eleven about how the end time church overcomes the devil? Let's just look at it again. Revelation twelve eleven, and they overcame him, the devil. They overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. <clears throat> so they were victorious because of what Christ had done on the cross. They believed it. They received it. And they were bold in proclaiming it. And they weren't afraid to die for it. Back to our story. First Samuel 17, 16. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. So this challenge went on for 40 days. And finally, David enters the story. Now remember, David's older, three oldest brothers were already in the army of Israel. They were already there. David's father sent him to bring them some food and to find out how they were doing, to bring message back to their dad, how they were. And as David came up, he overheard Goliath making his challenge again. Let's read. 1 Samuel 17, 23, as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming to defy Israel. And it will be, now they're telling David this, it'll be that the king will enrich the man who kills him <clears throat> with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free. Talking about free in taxes, free from taxes, in Israel. So now David hears that Saul's offering a reward. There's going to be money, position, even the king's daughter in marriage, privilege. You don't have to pay any taxes, your family doesn't. Well, David agrees to take the challenge on, but not because of the reward. So David now wants to pursue how to go about being the guy. He's already decided he will take on this challenge. How do I I go about being the guy? But then he runs into a second obstacle. This is a second obstacle of spiritual warfare. 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. For you've come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? So his oldest brother, by the way, if you read the whole story, his oldest brother is also of impressive size. His oldest brother who's already shrunk back in fear is indignant about David pursuing this challenge. Who do you think you are? That leads us to the second obstacle that we must overcome if we're going to be giant killers. Obstacle number two, don't be disheartened by internal distractors. Don't be disheartened by internal distractors. See, some of you, have been disheartened from stepping out in ministry, stepping out and fulfilling your calling because of what someone close to you has said to you. Perhaps it was a parent, a teacher, a friend, a coach, a classmate, somebody has said something to you at one time that caused you to think, I can't do it or I shouldn't do it. And you took that on yourself, and it's kept you out of ministry. Don't listen to those who throw cold water on your passion and your conviction. Don't be distracted by what God is moving in you to do, no matter what is said to you by those close to you. Internal distractors didn't stop David, and we can't let them stop us. Well, David finally gets to Saul so he can volunteer to be the guy. First Samuel 17, 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. I want to volunteer. I'm the guy. By the way, what a contrast between how David saw things and how Israel saw things. The men of Israel had words of resignation. David had words of indignation. The men of Israel call Goliath this man. David calls him this uncircumcised Philistine. They say that Goliath has come out to defy Israel. David says he's come out to defy the armies of the living God. They refer to Goliath's potential victor as this man who kills him. David refers to him as the man who kills this Philistine and removes his disgrace from Israel. So, in short, the men of Israel see an unbeatable, fearsome giant who is being reproached, who is reproaching Israel. David sees merely an uncircumcised Philistine who has the audacity to reproach the armies of the living God. Well, Saul, even after all that, he's still unconvinced that David is up to the task. So, David has some convincing to do, and so he goes on to talk to Saul this way. 1 Samuel 17, 33. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth while he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard, struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he's taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. See, David was convincing Saul that he was up to the task based on being faithful, dealing with his past giants. See, now he knows he can handle this giant. That leads us to the third principle for being successful in spiritual warfare. And that is be faithful in little and you'll be able to be faithful in much. See, David was faithful earlier in little or smaller things like dealing with the lion and a bear with his sling and stick. So Goliath was just the next step up. It wasn't a gigantic leap up. It was the next step up. David learned to trust God for the power to handle the situation he was in. So now he knows he can trust God for this next situation. By the way, what are the lions and the bears that you're facing right now? We all got them. We all have challenges right now. All of us are facing something right now. Sometimes it's not that big a thing. Sometimes it's gigantic. Trace and I got home Friday night from being out of town. We had a slab leak in our house and our whole downstairs was flooded. But I want to say that's a small thing compared to some of the things I've heard people in our church are already going through. Some in our church family heard this week, this week they have cancer. Some lost in our family, lost someone very close to them this week. Some are right now in our church family in the hospital fighting for their life. Jesus said, in this world, you have tribulation. That's for all of us. We all have challenges. We all face our giants. The key is, is that we will act now in a situation in which we are by faith and handle the giants the way we're going to learn this morning so that, Later on, when we face a bigger giant, we're ready to take the step. And bigger giants are coming. Back to our story. 1 Samuel 17, 38. Then Saul clothed David with his garments, put on bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with armor. David girded his sword and his armor and tried to walk. For he not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. David took them all. He took his stick in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones. By the way, we believe that Goliath had four brothers. That's why he took five stones. (laughs) Put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. By the way, this leads to the fourth principle in giant killing, and that is fight with the abilities that God has given you. Those abilities that you have, your gifts, your talents, your spiritual gifts, your passions, the things that God has worked in you through life experiences. See, God, by the way, God has been preparing you for battle your whole life. Your whole life has been, He's been preparing you for the next battle. You know, the ministry fair, some of you are going to. Look for ways to step into a ministry for the first time. Do it. Some of you are say, I'm ready to take on some more responsibility. Do it. Some of you need to change ministries. The Lord, Lord's leading you to something you're more gifted in. Do it. Because we all need to find our battle stations because the ministry fair isn't just a festive fun time. It is a time of gathering together an army to kill giants. Well, let's read about the actual battle now. First Samuel seventeen forty one. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog? Did you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and remove your head from you. And I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. And that leads us to the fifth principle in giant killing. And that is the battle must be fought in the name of the Lord. The battle must be fought in the name of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? To battle in the name of the Lord means that I fight this battle in him, by him, and for him. Let's break that down. Because this is the key to spiritual victory. I must fight the battle in him. It's all about relationship. It's all about intimacy with him. I'm walking with him. I know him. See, this is so key. I cannot go into spiritual warfare if I'm not walking in an intimate relationship with the Lord. It will not work. See, David built this intimacy with the Lord. I mean, playing the harp out, watching the sheep, writing the Psalms. I mean, he had this intimate relationship with his Lord, which, by the way, is why he was so agitated about what the Philistine was saying about his best friend. See, if we don't have this intimate relationship, we're not going to get indignant about what's going on in this world. We're going to let it happen. But when when things are starting to go against the one that we love, That's something rises up in us that we've got to make a stand. That's what happened in David. He fought in the name of the Lord. He fought in him. He fought by him. He was confident that when he stepped out, God would come through. By the way, in ministry, so many people are afraid if I step out, God won't come through. That's where faith comes in. I've got to believe that the battle belongs to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to step out and act, but I believe you will come through. I believe you will come through. So it's in him, relationship. By him, faith. For him, he gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. This isn't about any of us getting a reputation. This is about all of us becoming of no reputation. That he might get all of the glory. It all belongs to him. So David gives us an example how to fight a battle in the name of the Lord. We fight in him. It's about relationship. And by the way, if you've never developed an intimate relationship with the Lord, start today. Start drawing near to him, get in the word, talk to him, walk with him. He's got to be your best friend in these days to come. And then by him, step out and act, believing he'll come through. And for him, do it all for him because it's all about him. It all comes from him. It all is for him. We do it. For him. So what happens if we fight in the battle? In the name of the Lord, here's what happens. First Samuel 17:48. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him, and there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, which is probably about the size of David, and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw, the Philistine saw their champion was dead, they fled. That's what happens when we fight in the name of the Lord. There is victory. There is victory. First Samuel seventeen fifty two. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the I'm sorry, as the valley and the gates of Ekron. And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Saharam, even to Gath and Ekron. What's interesting here is just like fear is contagious, so is faith and courage. It's also contagious those same men who shrunk back in fear are ready to go after the enemy now. And they not only only don't give the enemy ground, they go and take ground from the enemy all the way to Goliath's hometown. Which, by the way, if we'll fight spiritual warfare in the name of the Lord, we will not only not lose ground, but we'll take ground that the devil now has We'll even take ground at the places that he is most at home. Well, next Sunday's ministry fair, I want you to see it differently this year than you've seen it before. I want you to see it as a time of preparing for battle. A time of everyone finding their post in this army. We're not an audience, we're an army. So I'm urging every one of us, and those of you that are online I urge you to come here next Sunday, be part of the ministry fair, and all of us to walk across and find our place in God's army and fight the battle the Lord has given us in the days to come because he will give us the victory. Do you believe it? He will give us the victory. but We fight it in the name of the Lord, so walk in intimacy with him. Don't be afraid to step out and act. He'll come through and be committed before you even start that he gets all the glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we're so glad we belong to you. We thank you for saving us. We thank you, Lord, that you went way beyond that and you have placed us in the body of Christ in the army of God. Lord, I pray that you enable, by your Spirit, each one of us to find exactly where our part is. And Lord, I pray your hand, a blessing on the ministry fair, and that you would really make us an army that knows how to do spiritual warfare and fight in the name of the Lord. Lord so we pray, Lord, that for the taking down of giants in these days to come. We ask, Lord, for the taking of ground from the devil. And we ask you, Lord, of a possessing of the nations for Jesus Christ. We pray to be in this generation. You wouldn't have to wait for another one to rise up. Pray all this in Jesus' name.